to another Keel Hauled Podcast. I'm your host, Captain Logan, and we've got a lot of Sea of Thieves news to cover today, so tie yourselves to the mast and hold fast. Ahoy there, pirates. I hope you had yourselves a good week and a good weekend. I know I did. This week, we had another stream, this time with Beardageddon. We got a new patch that fixed a lot of the issues that were coming in from the last patch. I got some ideas and we got some information on the Bilge Rat adventure as well as a nice captain story. That and more on this week's episode of Kill Hall Podcast. This week we got patch 1.2.5 and this dev update with Joe Neat does go into a lot of information, mainly talking about how a lot of stuff has been coming with not only the latest Bilge Rat update, but over the last few months with content updates and how they haven't really been giving themselves enough time to properly test some of these new updates or get them out to the pioneers to make sure that the test givers have, or the the, uh, the pioneers have time to really kind of focus in on playing the game, testing the new features and getting feedback that they can have time to then evaluate. So with this patch, we did get the fix for feeding pigs that are caged. The Athena's voyages are now available. Uh, the spyglass issue is gone. You can now hand chests and crates to other pirates. Uh, Things that have come with this patch also include when you approach a barrel, you'll also be able to see if it's empty. This is a very nice change, and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how this plays out with powder kegs, with snakes, things like that. I've already seen a couple of videos of it, but I'm still getting used to taking a half second to look at the barrel before I actually open it to see if it has the empty label on it. Hopefully, hopefully when they have more time in the future, we could probably take another look at this and then have maybe like a big red X over the interact part of it to make sure that there's a higher contrast to be able to see whether or not there's actually something in it or not. One of the things that did get mentioned is that resources have been increased per barrel and especially at things like outposts. So it should take less time to stock up and get going. Uh, This was something that many of you know I've been wanting for a while. Uh, It really ties into respecting players' time when playing and reducing the time and, and effort gathering resources before starting a voyage is a huge plus to me. This is a quiet change that I think will really impact the quality of life and I just want to take a moment to thank Joe and Mike for doing this. I know it's potentially a balance issue but if it works out well it it will help with respecting the player's time and that's always been something like you can't just pop in for a half hour do something you know worthwhile and then pop back out. Uh, the fact that Joe mentions it so casually in the video surprises me because it's such a it has such potential to impact how we play the game. There were a couple of things that were mentioned in the video that didn't make it to into the patch. Uh, or actually, I think I think the way they were wording it was is that this is stuff that they're working on. And this this goes into the take all and give all buttons for the barrels. And a cannon radial that allows you to select different types of cannonballs. And I think I mentioned it last week where hopefully this will be something where it will, it's going to basically feed in the latest barrel or the latest cannonball that you have. So say you have cannonballs and you pick up uh, cursed cannonballs, those will filter in clockwise in the radial. Joe does talk about how they did get the inventory system out to pioneers, but they didn't have enough time built into development to address feedback from the pioneers. This is one of the few times I really want to get on a soapbox and yell at Rare from my simple third-person perspective and say, why not just open up the Pioneer program to more players, devote more resources to aggregating that data, and help identify issues sooner? Obviously, I know that when you have more people playing the beta, you need more time. 
and people to find out what info is worthwhile and what isn't. So I am glad to hear that they are taking time with future content to make sure things are tested and bugs are avoided whenever possible. Just as an example, I put out a poll last week that asked if people would prefer to have the same pace of content we have now and just deal with the bugs, or if they would prefer to have the content at a slower pace. As of right now, the poll still has nine hours left at the time of recording with 78 votes. 22% says that they would prefer to keep the content pace the way it is and deal with the bugs, while 78% say that pushing content for stability is preferred. I'm actually in the latter group. I would prefer to actually have content come out at a slower pace if it meant that it would be more stable because the the experience that we got with the hungering deep was great we had been dealing with patch updates getting pushed from tuesdays to wednesdays and then from wednesdays to thursdays for the first couple months and to have hungering deep come out flawlessly we we didn't even hear word that it was going to come out we knew it was coming out at the end of may and when the day came it just came out and everything was fine there was no issues there was no bugs everything worked perfectly and that was great. It was it was a good experience. And as content has been coming, especially with the increase to weekly, uh, by or I guess bi-weekly build rat updates, we've been noticing more and more bugs. And I'm glad to see that they're willing to take this time to actually figure out whether or not there's something that needs to be pushed off or disabled while they figure out a fix for it. One last thing that I did want to mention, as with the dev update video, Joe does go in to talk about Forsaken Shores and how it's coming up in the next week, and how there will be a campaign that will uncover more of the history about the Devil's Roar. So I'm really looking forward to that, because the Devil's Roar is going to be the first expansion to the game where we'll have new areas to visit, and potentially more history to uncover and whether or not it was different civilizations back in time that was actually in those areas and, and if people migrated from the Devil's Roar to the Sea of Thieves to get away from the volcanoes and that dangerous lifestyle. So looking forward to seeing how that works. And believe it or not, we actually got a teaser video of Forsaken Shores this week. Devil's roar, a land left unexplored. The devil's roar, the omen they ignore, and those who Those poor forgotten sailors.
So you just listened to the same teaser trailer that I listened to. And if you're anything like me, maybe you felt a lot of emotion from this trailer compared to the previous trailers. Uh, the Cursed Cruise, the Cursed Sales one, was very cool because it had the crews coming up to an outpost and kind of sticking their claim or challenge. The 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 Cursed Cannonball being delivered to the uh, Order of Souls representative over at uh, Plunder Outpost was pretty cool, but it still had some humor to it. And Forsaken Short or the Hungering Deep was pretty fun because it, it, it had Merrick kind of telling you this tale of, you know, like, you gotta be careful. This was so much more somber and uh, desolate. You felt a sense of fear for... I'm, I'm projecting, but uh, I, I felt like the this crew was in danger all the time on this uh, island that they were doing, and their ship was extremely close, and you can see them hiding behind the mast as the captain is looking like she's she's concerned for her crew that they might not make it out. And that brings us to the gentleman on the actual rowboat. Because as you as you see, he's singing the song. He is he is telling the tale of the devil's roar and how you have to be careful going out there because most sailors have not heeded the omen. Now, what omen is he talking about? Is this an omen that has been passed around from some of the ancient civilizations that inhabited these islands, or is this something that has been generated as a result of the Order of Souls telling us what's been going on based on cursed skeletons that have been there before? It's so hard to know like what the lore behind this is, but we do know that we are probably going to be heading over to Thieves Haven to find out who this gentleman is, what his story is, and why he's so concerned about the Devil's Roar, and why he's sailing towards uh, Thieves Haven to get away from it. Stepping outside of the lore side of this video, we got some awesome images and gameplay video from the the Forsaken Shores. We got our first look at a galleon sporting the blacksmith liveries, sails, and figurehead. The figureheads, uh, we, we found out, I think it was a couple weeks ago, that uh, they are, um, the, the blacksmith one is a, a dragon with flame breathing out of its mouth as it is, it's, it's being uh, kind of using iron bars to, that are riveted to the front of the ship to kind of hold it in place. And the crew, as well as this gentleman are all wearing blacksmith gear and they all have a, a, a necklace with a pendant a flame that is, is, it looks like it's hot, but they grab it like it's it's no big deal. And they're all sporting black gear the, that has metal bits on it, the blacksmith stuff that is all red hot. Now, we see the weapons, we see some equipment that is also in this set, and we see the rowboat kind of in use for the first time with a person on it. And as we... As, as you kind of zoom in on some of the stuff or you, you kind of pay attention, you've, you've watched this a couple times, you've noticed that the the galleon has loot on it uh, towards the end of the video. And the loot has the same quality look as like a Castaways or a Marauders, things that we have currently in the game. But bits of it are actually like red hot. They're superheated from either the island that they were buried in or just a curse that's part of them. It's hard to know for sure until we actually get our hands on these to figure it out. But it makes me wonder if the stuff from Devil's Roar is still classified as the same type of chest, but because it's a little different, then it's going to be a little more rewarding. And we also get a first look at maybe a, a new type of trinket, something that looks like a chalice or a goblet. It has bits of rock that are adhered to it that are, are kind of crystalline, but look like they're red hot from, from an iron or from a, from a forge. And this is the same item that we find on the shore of Thieves Haven, where the little crab that has been popping up in all the videos 
kind of comes in front of. And we start to wonder if maybe we're going to start finding some of these Devil's Roar items washing up on beaches around the area where uh, the, the Devil's Roar is. So if you don't know, the, uh, the, the Forsaken Shores is going to be coming out. September 19th. Uh, the servers are going to go live 2 p.m. British Standard Time, 9 a.m. Eastern uh, Time, and 6 a.m. Pacific Time for the Americas. Uh, for for Aussies, um, you're probably going to have to add 17 hours on top of 6 a.m., so that would be 6 p.m., uh, and then another five hours on top of that so it'd probably be what is that 11 uh, 11 p.m on the day after the 20th i believe i could be wrong i'm trying to do math in my head and that never works out so the forsaken shores trailer is really awesome it's a lot more somber and i'm hoping that the song that you just listened to is put into the game because that would be a really cool new shanty to be able to play as we're kind of sailing around i really want there to be more shanties in the game i know they're coming but it's one of those few things where it you you never quite know and hopefully the the community will speak up the way we did during hungering deep and we'll have this shanty or song added as a part of the roster of songs that we can play in game one little thing that i did want to mention about the forsaken shores that ties in with the patch that we got this week and that's to do with the athena's fortune voyages with the update they did fix the ability to complete the Athena's fortune second part of the quest the second part actually spawned but we noticed something different uh, any pirate legend that has thrown down an, uh, an Athena's fortune voyage since the patch went live has noticed that it doesn't look like the standard glowing green or teal um, uh, voyage box with the Athena's crest on it it actually looks like it's something that came from Forsaken Shores and I'm wondering if this means we're going to be getting legend content for Forsaken Shores that we just don't know about we've never seen this before we've never seen the voyages change They've never looked different. They've always looked the same. So this is going to be surprising if with the outpost that's in the Devil's Roar, each of those voyages are going to be unique to that area and they won't cross over to the old area and you'll complete them in the new area and they will have the, the rewards that look like they give a little bit more or maybe have special properties based on how they look in the trailer. Other than that, really happy to see that Rare is putting a lot of effort into the cinematics. I think it's great that they're using the in-game footage that they are not not in-game footage, but in-game in assets to represent what the game uh, looks like because this is this is one of the few games where if you were to do kind of a, a like World of Warcraft has a problem where they use really nice cinematics for their opening uh, videos for each expansion and then you get in game and it doesn't look there's there's a disparity between how it looks at cognitive dissonance and the they could up the quality but they can't up the quality for just the cinematics uh, and and have players feel that connection when they're doing in-game cinematics and the in-game cinematics are, are some of the best um, so seeing a Forsaken Shores teaser trailer uh, used with in-game assets just really reaffirms just how beautiful this game is because they can use the that bump it up to 4k and and really show off just how beautiful this game will look to anyone who just kind of stumbles upon the the teaser trailer itself 
So last week, I had an interesting sailing day with Captain Nightmare. And I have to say, hindsight is 2020, And most of you already know that, so why am I saying it? Well, I was talking with Captain Nightmare, or as many of you know him as Nick. And we were talking about how the inventory system could have been implemented during cursed sails. As it was, we had a time frame for each cursed crew, and a week that those crews were active. It dawned on me, with the cursed cannonballs being in-game and seeing just how we interact with them, that had this system been implemented prior to cursed sails, things could have been potentially more engaging. As we sailed around from island to island, hunting down treasure and completing riddles, we had many things to talk about. The idea came up to me as we were sailing north from Crook's Hollow to Kraken Fall, where a half-dug-up captain's chest laid in wait for us to return so that we could reclaim it. Uh, the story as to why it was half-dug-up I'll explain shortly after. I tell you an idea I had that struck me like a cannonball hurtling towards me from Snake Island. So, let us say that we had the inventory system prior to cursed sales, say since launch, something we're familiar with and we're used to. Now, let's go back to the the third week of July, we've heard rumors of Wanda the Weaponsmith working working with Salty on something special, and we've started to notice that there's something very wrong with Wanda and Salty's gone, and now there's a skeleton parrot perched on the roof of the Weaponsmith, and Wanda now has a skeletal arm. Fast forward a week, and our suspicions are right, and Wanda has in fact been playing around with cursed objects, and is summoned an armada of undead skeleton crews, piecing together ships from shipwrecks, and armed with these new cursed cannonballs. We're told to do some investigative work to find out where Wanda the Warsmith is gone, finding journals spread out throughout the world where we find out that she has actually had a workshop hidden deep in a cavern walls of Wander's Refuge. Amongst all the stuff left behind by this now undead slave to Captain Flameheart, we find a chest. Breaking open the locks protecting this chest, we find inside one of each cursed cannonball that she's been working on. And there's a letter indicating that each crew she has under her command has been trained to use just one type of these cursed cannonballs. Each fleet is to be armed with the same type of cursed cannonball with five ships per fleet. At the bottom of the chest, there's a note to Salty with instructions on how to summon one of these fleets. The note reads, Salty, I'm leaving the workshop to try and take control of the outposts. The time to strike is now while the iron is hot. Things have come to a head and I need you to start training the next set of captains. Blow are instructions for the captains to follow for summoning a fleet as we look to move beyond the Devil's Shroud. Take one of the cursed cannonballs from the chest, sail out to one of three locations I've specified, and drop the ball into the water. Doing so, we'll summon the fleet of the damned to raise to the surface and make their way to the outposts. With regard, Wanda the Warsmith. It is now up to you, sailor, to decide which fleet you and your crew wish to take on. Have you battled certain crews in the past and wish to take on a different curse? Are you just trying to capitalize on the hordes of gold that is being held on the captain's fleet? You make the choice, knowing that Duke will reward you for taking down all of the crews over the next three weeks, but that choice is up to you. You can always join another crew in the midst of a battle to get credit for Duke's commendations, but afterwards you can summon a different cursed crew. Personally, I would have loved to have more agency on what crew I fought and when, eliminating the need to be in a specific area during a set time during a set week. You would have had a cursed cannonball from Wanda's hideout, giving players a reason to go sailing around to do the lore portion of the content update. Once you had the, completed the lore requirements, you could head straight to the workshop and pick up a cursed cannonball of each type. The balance ball and the peace ball would be legendary summons in the center of the map at the spire 
Anyone could join them, but it would be a much harder fight and the rewards would reflect this. This would tie into the legendary commendations and it would be visible for the majority of the map. There are uncharted isles near the center of the spire, actually one in each sea, that would be ideal for meeting up with pirates from different crews to form an alliance. Since they're uncharted, it wouldn't interfere with normal voyage systems. Now, I know this isn't what everyone would have wanted, but I wanted to talk about it here because it could give us some ideas as how future content might be explored. After this chat, we ended up reaching Kraken's Fall, where just below the bowsprit of a, of a shipwreck who has a crack and skull impaled on it sat the captain's chest about an hour earlier i had hit the captain's chest on as captain nightmare sailed south uh, while being pursued by two other sloops one who we had sunk uh, one time before and the other who was fresh to fighting us but solo and preferred to ram us and try to board our vessel keep in mind this is all because we're trying to finish voyages with a reaper's mark active uh, we had actually been calmly sailing around most of the day doing gold hoarder missions without much action this all changed when we started getting around Wanderer's Refuge, a sloop that was parked at Golden Sands and for a while, and a galleon that had been sailing around doing their own voyages. But it was another sloop that had been sailing around with a Reaper's Mark that caused us caution. We parked under the cannon towers on the west side of the island, and they, they skirted around us for a while, not, not really getting close enough to activate an alliance, but they did have the alliance flag up after they took down their Reaper's Mark, and eventually they left us to sink the sloop at Golden Sands. They actually allied with the sloop that was there and then began to sail out and then eventually started actually attacking that sloop. They were trying to bait other ships into an alliance just so that they could sink them. After leaving us alone, we kept on sailing around getting loot. Uh, we kept an eye on them, knowing that they were being aggressive and they'd put up their reaper's mark again. So fast forward to some time later in the wilds, when we see this sloop go to another marked ship down south near Crow's Nest. So we're sitting at an island. It's it's in the middle of a storm. We're parked. We finish digging up our chest and we're just checking out on the map these two ships marked with a reaper's mark going towards each other. And we're trying to figure out how this engagement's going to work out and who's going to be the victor or if they're going to ally. And we're sitting there looking at the map and looking these two little, it's like two little bleeps on a radar going towards each other very slowly. And it's really hilarious because we see one turn away and then one try and turn. It looks like they're about to broadside each other. And then one stops dead and just stays there. And we're like, oh, that must have been an anchor ball. And then the other ship doesn't engage. They just continue sailing north. So now they're actually sailing north towards us. And they start to come towards us. They don't fire at us. They're just following us. So Nick jumps off and boards their ship without much, uh, much issue. The guy doesn't say anything or the girl doesn't say anything, the person doesn't say anything, and they, they aren't using in-game chat. They're not hostile towards Nick, and they're not hostile towards us. So I might have dropped a powder keg off the backside of the ship and tried to get him to hit it. Obviously, I didn't work because that's always a really hard thing to do. But the, the the pirate leaves us alone, and we're like, all right, fine. That's that's perfectly fine. We'll go do our, our voyage and continue on. And as we're sailing south from Marauder's Arch towards Galleon Graves Outpost, we don't really have much to do. So we go and we start uh, – we, we decide that we're going to try and get Nick the last commendation for the cursed cannonballs against ships. Uh, so we sail towards the sloop that is now parked at an island, just doing nothing. And as soon as we start getting close enough, they drop sail and start sailing in the opposite direction as us. So we're about to hit each other. 
they fire a cursed cannonball at us that's against players and we shoot them with a cursed cannonball and hit so nick gets his commendation and then uh, apologized profusely that we just wanted to hit them with the one cursed cannonball that turns into a whole thing they sail over to galleon's grave and start turning in their loot and then start sailing out and start trying to attack us and we're we're trying to figure out what this guy wants to do because all he's doing is sailing around a galleon's grave trying to shoot at us and eventually we sink him but but it takes him forever to like he'll sail out into the middle of nowhere turn around and then start beelining it for us and it is the most it is the the most illogical kind of like sailing i've ever seen so we sink him and we don't ever see him again but then that's when the 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 sloop that starts coming and wants to ram us comes into the picture because now we're heading on a new voyage and we're heading down towards uh krakenfall we only have one chest at krakensfall but this one reaper's mark ship is just dead at us it's adjusting course to try and cut us off and eventually we get to krakensfall and as we kind of bank around the side of it on the east coast we slow down and wait for them to come around the corner because we're, we're planning on shooting a broadside at them. They never do that. They actually park on one side of the island. And that's when Nick jumps off the ship and starts running towards, uh, running through the island to his ship. And as I realize this, I realize that this is pretty much what the other guy is probably doing. He probably parked and he's now running towards our ship. Sure enough, he was. Uh, there was a shipwreck just off the coast of Krakenfall on the east side. And I started to slowly sail out there thinking that if he was swimming, I would be going faster than he could to actually do that. And I was hoping that I was going to be buying time for Nick to actually get onto his ship. Sure enough, he gets onto the ship and no kegs, so we can't bomb him. And I stop at the shipwreck and go down and grab a villainous skull. I get back onto the ship and I'm about to do a second run to grab a dis, uh, a disgraced skull. And I notice that there's a guy being chased by a shark in the water. So I try to shoot him. I miss and... Surprise to me, he jumps on our ship and then jumps on our mast. And now it's a matter of me reloading and shooting him before he gets up to the to the crow's nest to actually detonate a powder keg. It doesn't work out. Uh, he actually kegs us and we both end up dead. And our ship is now got some holes in it. Uh, and Nick is stuck on the other guy's ship. So Nick is now sinking his ship by ramming it into the island, and I am on the Ferry of the Damned looking at this dude, letting him know that wherever our ships spawn, may the best man win. And he nods at me. And then we run through the captain's door and spawn on our ships. Sure enough, my ship is not sunk. It is uh, just doing fine. So thankfully, I, I don't have too much issue repairing the ship and actually get the, the water out. But the ship that we sank earlier, the sloop uh, with the dark sails and dark liveries, is now back. And now we've got uh, a little circle, a little little semicircle running around each other's sloops. Uh, we're trying to shoot one ship, and then another ship is shooting at us, and it just turns into this big, big fiasco. And it gets to the point where we just get bored with the engagement because we're we're not having enough success. Uh, dealing with two sloops versus ours to be able to take down one effectively. And as a result, we just decide to hit the treasure chest on Kraken's Fall, ding it, and then continue on with the rest of our voyage. So Nick drops me off on Kraken's Fall. I run over to the ship that has a Kraken impaled on it and actually dig up the chest and then grab a mermaid. The two sloops that were fighting us are now fighting each other, but they're fighting each other in a way that is still following us. And it's really confusing. And eventually one of the ships leaves. And then the second one, the one that we had already sank before, the black one, is starting to come towards us down towards uh, Snake Isle, where we actually have a voyage complete. And it takes them forever. But they eventually make it down there and we sink them handedly. Uh, 
can't really say what was going on with these guys, but it made for an interesting time because we got a little bit of uh, Sea of Thieves action in there and just wanted to try and understand what the mindset of these guys was doing because they, they didn't have loot. They didn't have powder kegs and they were just running around shooting at uh, people randomly and they wouldn't talk to us either. So I, I really hope that more pirates get invested in using in-game chat because the conversations that can come from uh, meeting up with other pirates is definitely worth it, especially if it's one where you want to try and form alliances or backstab or just, you know, trash talk the other pirate for, for bad shots, uh, stuff like that. Um, I really wish that we had been able to sync them, but at the time we were just trying to finish up the voyages because it was getting close to the time when we wanted to log off and turn everything in. Uh, needless to say, we did get quite a bit of loot and turned everything in without uh, any problems at all. Had a good voyage with him and got a lot of the Reaper's Mark voyages done. I still have a few left as well, some skeletons to kill, but I still got some time to do that. And thankfully, I may not have to do it all in the time frame. <laughs> Thanks to a post by Drew Stevens, senior producer, on the Sea of Thieves forums, we found out that for all new Bilge Rat adventures, if you aren't able to play during the two weeks event time, you can still earn the titles and doubloons for that event. He went into details talking about how they had been reviewing a lot of the feedback based around commendations and the Bilge Rat adventures. So, as of the current Bilge Rat adventure, you will still be able to get everything they offer except for the time-limited cosmetics. That being said, if you have some doubloons stocked up before each new adventure, you can always log in for a quick minute, pick up the cosmetics, and skip out on the adventure till a later time. There was a bit of discussion on this uh, topic in the Keelhaul Discord where we were wondering if we if this was going too far in making it easy for newer pirates to power level their way to pirate legend. And while I do think there is that this does present an opportunity for that, I'm not too concerned just based on how past events have played out. Since each build rat adventure, things tend to calm down after the event. That means it will be tougher to complete since the commendation for, for some of these commendations, especially since some of these require the help of an additional crew. You'll still be able to complete complete them, but it won't be as easy as it was when the event actually first went live when everyone tends to be doing them. That being said, I'm happy to hear that they're incentivizing people to seek out future events past their initial launch time. Though the Cursed Adventure will be the first to receive this treatment, I would like to see past events done. I missed out on a couple during the Powder Keg Skeleton when I had the 11 Days of Hell in July. And, th and this actually takes me to an idea that I cooked up while talking with Captain Nightmare regarding his his idea for a bilge rat adventure that required you to die to be able to access. And Nick's idea is great. I, I recommend that everyone go online on through Twitter to actually check it out. A rough breakdown is that it involves you going around to the Ferry of the Damned, which is now docked at the Land of the Dead outpost. There you're going to have to actually kill yourself in fun ways to do the to complete the bilge rat adventure. It's, it's kind of fun to see something like that come around, and I would love to have that area as a place to explore. And I was thinking it would be really cool to do some of some some of that stuff since there's not really a death tax in the game. Why not take advantage of it? Similar to how we died a lot during the Gunpowder Skeleton event. Uh, and it got me thinking about how it would be interesting if there were Bilge Rat adventures just for pirate legends. They'd be given to you by either the Pirate Lord or Blind Bob, since Blind Bob is there, but he's not really doing much. Maybe we could learn more about who he is as well. Uh, it, it would involve different events and could be done for special currency that would be used 
used for earning reputation with Athena's Fortune. Now, obviously, with the Builds Red Adventures, you can buy a level with 30 doubloons, and that's a very low cost. So, obviously, with a Pirate Legend uh, Builds Red Adventure, it would have to be something that is a lot harder to complete and would not get you a full level in Athena's Fortune because a, a full level at higher levels for Athena's Fortune are very difficult to complete just based on how many Athena's Fortune voyages you have to complete to get that reputation. One quick little note that I did want to talk about because I've seen more and more people talking about this is dealing with leechers. Uh, pirates in the game that either die or don't die, but have their controller set up so that it's just causing them to spin in circles. They're basically trolling a crew to get free gold and free reputation without actually having to do anything. And the, the, the point of it is, is most people want to get reputation, but they don't want to put in the effort. So they jump onto an open crew, they die, and then they keep themselves active by using like a rubber band or a hair band around the controller to keep them spinning in a circle. This tricks the inactivity check for 15 minutes of inactivity gives you the lazy beard, but they still get all the credit and there's nothing you can do. You can't vote someone to the brig and cut them off from getting any kind of reputation or gold. They still get it even if they're in the brig. It was just a way to stop players from disrupting the gameplay on the actual ship or the island. It doesn't penalize them for actually getting gold or reputation. A lot of people want a vote to kick people from the ship. And while I think that that is a solution, I don't think it's the right solution. Uh, doing something like that is going to cause a lot of griefing, and I feel like that's going to be something that is tough when you're looking at people who don't want to get or who have maybe the majority vote on a crew and you pop into it and they're about to turn in and they don't think that you earned anything that they're about to turn in and they kick you from the uh, the ship. Now, while there may be some validity in that, it's not necessarily something that I think is fair because the person coming in didn't know what was going on. And I just want to remind people that if you feel like someone is cheating or having some sort of unsporting behavior, use the Xbox app, use your console, go in, look up that player and decide whether or not it's worth reporting them. Obviously, you want to have good justification and I'm going to leave it up to you and your ethics and your morals to decide whether or not this is the case but if you find someone that is playing in an unsportsmanlike behavior go ahead and report them for that because it may help take some of that toxicity out of the game and go through the proper channels without requesting additional development time from the team that's already giving us a ton of content. <laughs> last item on today's docket is actually going to be spoiler stuff. So if you don't want to hear about the spoiler stuff, now's a good time to stop. I've got one review that I'll do at the end of the show, but you know who you are and thank you in advance for that. That being said, stop the podcast if you don't want to get spoiled on stuff. You done? You good? You paused it? Hopefully you paused it. If you're still listening to me right now, then you want to get spoiled on stuff. So thanks to Crew of Thieves, they've gone in and data mined more information. And Rare seems to be kind of okay with this. Uh, they may not be okay with this, but they're not pressuring people to take it down. So we ended up getting uh, new information based on the figureheads, the ships, 
that uh, were are, are now in the game. So some of the cosmetics that are now in the game, but not going to be live probably for this this content update, are some figureheads. And we got the we got a gold hoarders. The uh, skeleton gold hoarder is now has his head filled with gold coins and a golden yellow figurehead with the jewels and stuff. Looks really cool. That's the gold hoarder figurehead. We have an order of souls one that has an urn with the order of souls eye on it, uh, with a bunch of kind of reaching out kind of flames or tentacles with a bunch of skulls down at the base kind of cool. We also got a parrot figurehead, which is kind of interesting because I wasn't expecting that and I'm not sure where that's coming from. But even more strange is a Zeus figurehead, one that really kind of steeps, sticks out as we have Athena's fortune and that's all fine and dandy, but Athena's just a name. But this is an actual figurehead depicting Zeus as uh, as a god. And I guess, I guess because the game is actually rooted in the real world, it makes sense that there would be some mythology that would leech into it. But so far, this is is the first actual mythology from our our lives that is being put into the game as a physical item outside of just names. Uh, they showed off the the different figureheads that we've kind of seen as far as like the crab one that I talked about last week, the dragon one for the blacksmith, and the uh, the squid figurehead that we've seen in videos in the past. They also put out the spinal figurehead, which I'm hoping is coming soon uh, because I really want that figurehead. And we got some different canon customizations as well, like parrots and a, a variant of a parrot, one that has feathers reaching up around the actual canon, and one called the Eastern Wind that is a very Asian aesthetic. It has a dragon on it that is a, a, an Asian dragon, the very long, slinky ones, as well as some of the uh, the skelly ones and we and kraken ones as, some, as far as like capstans and stuff. It's interesting to see how these are being put into the game assets at a very early stage. I don't know if this is for testing or not, but it's interesting that the whoever's doing this data mining is getting access to this, uh, whether it be from a pioneer or from just a normal, uh, the, the normal game itself. So that's, that's about it uh, will be interesting to find out when those actually get put into the game or if they're just testing out assets right now. I think that's going to do it. Let's close it up. That's going to do it for this episode of Keelhauled Podcast. We did have one review that I do want to go over. I got a five-star review from Jason Fisherman, a great podcast to listen to. Thank you very much for the review. If you'd like the review, feel free to do so at iTunes or Apple Podcast, I guess is how they put it now. But if you'd like to get a hold of me, feel free to do so. You can always reach me at C-A-P-T-L-O-G-U-N at gmail.com. That's Logan at gmail.com. If you'd like to reach me on Twitter, you can always do so at C-A-P-T underscore L-O-G-U-N. You can also reach us at the Heel Hall Discord. Uh, I'm always on there checking out what people are doing. It's a great place to find other pirates to sail with. It's a great community. I've really been happy with how things are going with that. If you want to reach me in game, you can always reach out to me as well. My gamer tag is C-A-P-T-A-I-N-L-O-G-U-N. That's Captain Logan, all one word. And in fact, I got a message today from Alaska Grown 49 He says, had a thought about ship stocking up issues. A pirate cash box at the docks of outposts. You could deposit your supplies in it at the end of your session and whatever supplies you put in carry over to your next session. It would be a lot like the clothing or shipwright boxes in that the stock would be unique to your character alone. You would still have an offboard or an offload from your ship to the cache or vice versa uh, or vice versa. So it's not just a push to push the easy button and get any supplies you put on your ship are, are still vulnerable if you're lost or if you're sunk. Uh, seems like it'd be a simple way for us to keep supplies, bananas, regular cannonballs and planks only. 
we worked hard for the session to be able to get these items. A simple way to better respect player time and effort and to get to the fun faster. What do you think? I'm actually going to pose this to you guys. You're, you're listening to this podcast. I'd like to hear your thoughts on the pirate cache. Is there some way that Rare can introduce a server system that allows us to retain items that we put into our cache, our, our bank? Should there be a bank that holds our, our resources? Something like that. Uh, let me know what your thoughts are compared to how they're just increasing the amount of supplies that go into uh, barrels, especially at forts and at outposts. Pirates, that's going to do it for this episode. Once again, thank you. I love you, and I look forward to sailing with you on the Sea of Thieves.